Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. Hello and welcome everybody to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. I am your host, Dr. Mighty Monday, and I have Dr. Kate Flynn with me, who is an amazing chiropractor, healer, relationship coach, all the things. (laughs) So I'm so glad to have you here. We've been running in the same circles for, I don't know, probably at least 10 years. And so I can't wait to have you meet her and she's going to share her story with you. So Kate, I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you give me a little bit of a brag intro and like kind of fill in whatever you want to kind of emphasize about who you are. All right. Well, first, Megan, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it has been about 10 years, which is just crazy how fast the time has gone. In terms of my brag, you know, I've been in it like the quintessential hot mess in a relationship. I started Very early for me, you can see in my bio there, you know, my biological father died when I was two. And it was kind of like, if there was a way to look for love in all the wrong places, I was going to find it. Well, I've been there. And the best best thing about that is, one, there was no social media then. Very grateful for that. No proof. (laughs) And two, you know, right after high school, I went into the military. So as soon as I made my life super uncomfortable, it was time to go somewhere else. You know, so I always had kind of an easy out. When I made it to a chiropractic school in Chicago, somebody had given me the book, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose by Eckhart Tolle. And I'm like staring down my 30th birthday thinking, oh, dear God, I cannot go into my 30s in the same way I've spent my 20s. I just can't do it. And so it was really like a a come to Jesus moment in terms of it's time to do something differently. And so I read that book. It really sunk in the part where the thing that sticks with me most from there is where he talks about you're never angry for the reason you think you are angry because I had been angry my whole life and had no idea why. And so in reading that and letting it sink in, it was like, oh, things started to make sense. I was angry because, you know, my two-year-old self lost her dad and I was pretty pissed about it. I was, you know, trying to work that out. And then at the same time, taking that anger out on everyone around me, not understanding, not understanding where it came from at all. Mm -hmm. So not too long after that, about a few months after that, I moved down to Tennessee and I started praying. I said, dear God, when I won't screw it up, send me a good man that works with his hands. Mm -hmm. Like literally emphasizing when I won't screw it up. And I guess the good man that works with his hands came from that. My dad was a, he was a, a carpenter. And so not long after praying that, my husband walked into my practice. I joined a practice in Maribel doing chiropractic and nutrition. And he walked in dressed all in khaki straight from work, you know, straight from the construction field. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's my husband. I'm going to marry him. Uh Now, I didn't say that immediately. And it was only coming in once a month. So it took a little while to get there. But eventually he asked for my number. And as they say, the rest is history. But we'd both kind of been on this spiritual path of of growth and contemplation and reflection. And no matter what, we're both always willing to come back to what am I contributing to this, right? Because if you want your relationships to work, that's what has to happen. And so easy to be like, well, they need to do this and this person should. And, you know, and that happens all the time in in practice with patients. People will go back. I'll always going to have you circle back to you and what you can change. So through all that, I've joined a practice. I don't exactly know what I'm doing. I know chiropractically what I'm doing, but when people are coming in, I can tell there's so much more going on beneath the surface. Yes. And so my second prayer was, dear God, make me a channel of your healing works in this world. Guide my thoughts, my words, my questions. Tell me what to say and do. And so once I had an understanding of what was going on with people, I started saying, okay, how can I show them to do what I have done without necessarily having to make the biggest mess a mess as big as what I had made. And so through prayer, channeling, meditation, whatever you want to call it, I've received all of these tools and kind of the Rebirth Your Relationships program is a culmination of that, how you can take this information and go from where you are to where you want to be in your relationships. Because no matter what, it's all like life is relationship. Nothing happens without being in a relationship of some sort. That's so true. And I love how you just asked and believed and it showed up. I mean, that's the ultimate like overcoming trust issues and surrender moment to really get up to the creator's hands. And 
I know, you know, when I first met you, or maybe a little bit down the road, you had created, you'd written a book called Activating Ascension, which is an incredible book. Y'all should buy it. And you would create like a whole course around it. And so I love that you're not just a relationship coach, like you are a chiropractor, you have, you're an author and, you know, the activating extension was incredibly powerful. And I think what I love about your story with your husband is like, just that, that like you're both on a spiritual journey and that like kind of soulmate vibe that you can like really throw together and and activate together. So, you know, you're not just bringing the relationship piece, but really healing together. Because I think that is the deepest part of a relationship is when you can really look at it as a spiritual practice. Right. And now that, so look at the Rebirth Your Relationships, that program is kind of like an intro to some of this deeper work. And the the next thing that will be coming will be Engaging your intuition. That's the first part of that whole book, Activating Ascension, and then teaching people how to. It's really simple. You know, there's an opening sequence, and then there's identifying your obstacles, choosing the techniques you want to clear those obstacles, and then a closing sequence and your follow up. So if you do Reiki, if you do sound therapy, if you do all these other things that's all still wonderful and relevant and valid, you can plug it into this construct and still use it which is one of the things I love the most about it because I don't like to, I'm a perpetual student. So I'm always learning different things and techniques and I don't want to give any of that stuff up. You know, you want to keep what works and move it forward. The thing I find most helpful is we need some kind of conscious awareness of what our obstacles are. Not that we need to dissect them, right? And, and, uh, and, you know, relive them or go super deep. We just have to bring it to awareness and then you use the techniques that you love to move them on out of your experience. (laughs) <laughs> that's so good because you know I think a lot of times we focus on the problem or we like blame other people are we gonna stuck in that victim mentality especially I think it, there's the potential to do that in our closest relationships especially if we have the human wounds of like abandonment or betrayal or lack of trust or whatever and so I'm kind of curious is there anything specific that you want to share around like using your intuition in your closest relationships because I feel like a lot of times, you know, it's easy to be like a visionary or psychic or intuitive, see the vision like kind of for other people. But when it's something like so close to you, it can be harder to see. And then that's when some of those like attachment issues can kind of kick in. So you talk on how to use your most authentic voice or just really like honor who you really are at the deepest levels and not let those, you know, feel get in the way. I think that the most important thing is that we we tend to react rather than respond to something triggers us in those relationships. And we're very much in our egos. We're in our heads and we are, you know, everything you just said, we are wounded, we are rejected, we are abandoned, all of those things. And so our tendency and a lot of what has been modeled for us is to react immediately Mm -hmm. to just get people to understand this is not, you're not playing a sport here. (laughs) No, you do not have to react immediately. You can take a breath and respond. You can walk away. You can go clear your head. You can give yourself a minute to come back into your heart where you can understand another perspective or where that person might be coming from without the need to take it personally, Mm -hmm. which is what trips us up because you can still be intuitive in that moment, but whatever word or whatever thing you hear, you're going to attach to it something egoically, right? You're going to say, well, this is what I heard. And, and, you know, you're going to run with that without letting it settle. So I say we're all intuitive and we all get true information, but that information has to make it through our filters. Ooh, yeah. And if it doesn't make it through your filter in a way that's still true and still authentic, then you will be, you will be reacting and you will be wrong. (laughs) You know? Absolutely. I often tell people like, would you rather be right or be happy? Like hopefully those two things go together and it can be right and happy, but often, especially in romantic relationships, you know, it really is about surrendering the need to be right. And that's all that egoic stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And along with surrendering the need to be right, like being willing to communicate that sometimes we try to use our intuition when it would be better if we just willingly stated our truth and asked that person what they felt about it. Because the best way to really know what somebody else is thinking is to ask, right? Yeah, a lot of times we just like mind read and like, why why can't he tell what I'm thinking or why can't she tell? But considering that people that we are in relationship with will only be as honest with us as one, we are with ourselves 
and two, as we create the space for them to be. So if we have kind of set the tone where if I ask you what you're honestly thinking and then I get mad at you for thinking it, Mm -hmm. that person is going to learn real quick. It's not safe for me to be honest with you. So you're never going to get the truth because you've shown that you take it personally. And then it just kind of goes downhill from there. I totally get that because when I've done like heterosexual couples counseling, like stereotypically the husband's like on the couch afraid to say anything. (laughs) I was like talking about what all the things are that are wrong, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I know for me being a highly sensitive person, one of the things I did with my partner was say, I want you to tell me, even if I get mad, even if I cry, even if it hurts my feelings, even if you think that it's going to piss me off, like I still want to know. So I think it's so important to communicate. And I think especially for women, you know, so much, so many of us have like, we've been stifled in our throat chakra. It's difficult to ask for things to express our needs. And that really is such a huge part of a functional relationship. So how do you help people with that? Well, there are techniques to help you learn, you know, self-trust and self-love and letting go of fear and all those things that kind of cloud your ability to come out of your ego and into your heart so that you can be and realize, you know, sometimes I hear a lot like, well, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, well, And, you know, that's very much a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And it's also protective of our authentic selves. Like, so being willing to be vulnerable, to get your feelings hurt a little bit and still continually show up. Now, not in a course in an abusive relationship or, Mm -hmm. or something, you know, that's a different story. I'm talking about, you know, like how brave and amazing is your husband and how you know that you're perfectly partnered to have somebody that will go through that. You know, because if that love wasn't there and authentic, he would be like, no. (laughs) I think you said the perfect word, which is willing. And, you know, like in therapy, we talk a lot about like willingness versus willfulness. And like willfulness is that stubborn, like ego. I'm not going to move. I'm right here. And even if it's super painful, I'm not giving up my stance, you know. That willingness is that like lovely, like flexibility to get vulnerable, go deep, be seen, be heard and do that for the other person. It opens you to a more construct because like so many things we believe, we believe them with every ounce of our being so much so that when we are shown something that tells us that wasn't true, we can't even accept it or see it because we are in this rigid little box. Right. So one thing you can do to start helping your your thought processes to be a little more flexible is to gain flexibility in your physical body. What I've noticed big time in in this work is, you know, so much. So we want to go right to the spiritual stuff, the esoteric, the philosophical. And we kind of forget about the physical body a little bit. But if you really look at it, your physical body mirrors your emotional body like somebody who is very rigid and not wanting to move at all will be like oh I won't do yoga I'm not flexible and so if you can't go right to getting the flexibility in your emotional health you can go to your yoga mat you know you can do things to get physical to get flexibility in your body and that can open the door you talked before about um you know going right to the obstacles I was actually just having that conversation with the patient the other day is that tends to be where we gravitate. What is wrong? Where is the door closed? What is, you know, what is the problem? And when we do that, we often miss all the open doors or green lights that I, I like to call it because I used to look for the red light all the time. And it was like, maybe it would be more fun if I looked for the green light. <laughs> where is the open door that I can move forward? And knowing if you move forward in a different way, it can actually create some space around that obstacle that you weren't getting anywhere with before. So I think that's really cool. That's so true. I know my Oracle decks are always calling me out. It's like, you're looking over here, you know, what's not working when there's like all this other good stuff that's working. So, and it's the same thing I found in chiropractic. You know, we're, we're very drawn to where the pain is. You know, my elbow hurts right here. I don't want to look anywhere else, but sometimes the elbow pain is coming from your neck or your shoulder or your knee, like your whole body is connected. Everything is connected. So if you're only, you know, if you have your blinders on, you're only willing to go in one direction. You're going to miss all the places where you could move forward. Yeah. And the body really keeps us honest, you know, like you were saying with the flexibility piece, you know, it is like the embodied expression of everything like we're thinking and feeling and doing, right? And so that's where stuff shows up. And so I see that a lot 
with people who have a lot of trauma, you know, like it's going to show up in some kind of, unless, unless you heal it, of course, in some kind of like chronic health condition, autoimmune, like whatever it is, because of like lack of safety or, you know, armoring or like whatever version of that is going on, you know, we do that in relationships too, right? You know, I think there's that quote that's something like, you know, to, to like whom we are the closest, sometimes there's like the people that we say the least to. And so I know, especially like in my case, you know, busy with like career and like family and getting from A to B or whatever. It's so amazing when I have time to slow down with my husband and actually have a deep conversation. It's just it like, it's so powerful. And I think our modern life where what are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. What are you? I'm busy, 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 busy. You know, it's like a badge of honor versus like slowing down into that like deep intimate moment. Because that, that relationship, you know, so I kind of have a a hierarchy of how I feel relationships flow. I say this all the time. You know, I have a philosophy that works for me if I die and I find out I'm totally wrong. Like, I'm okay with that because these are, these are how I move through life, right? So it starts with a relationship with a higher power, some kind of creator, some kind of energetic force that connects us all as one, whatever you want to call it. And then our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with our spouse and everything else kind of comes out through there, right? So the one that's right in front of us most is the one with our spouse. And we'll find that all the unfinished stuff we have with other people and other relationships are going to show up in that one, right? And then we find ourselves reacting because of what this person did 10 years ago that has nothing to do with the person in front of us, right? So, but that relationship, like you said, scheduling that time, investing the energy because life is busy and if you don't kind of protect that or create a space for it now, you know, after the kids are grown and the career is, you know, plateaued or met its crescendo, then what are you going to do? You barely know. And I see it all the time in practice. You don't even know the person that you're sleeping with every night there because you've been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to, to call out my, myself and maybe anybody else is listening, you know, I think the biggest lies we tell ourselves about anything are we don't have enough time and we don't have enough money. So true. <laughs> as soon as you start telling yourself that, like, eventually, if you catch yourself, you'll have your own little lie detector that will go off and be like, not true, not true. Because we have the time and the money for things that we make the time and the money for. Exactly. And like switching that out to that's not a priority for me. <laughs> like, right. That it's like, oh, that stings a little bit. It's not, a, I don't have time or I'm too busy or I can't afford it. But it's more the reality of it. And so just being like, you know, integrity in your words for sure. But that is such a, a common thing I see for people. And just that, I think particularly for women, I see a lot of just like self-sacrificing words, especially I think for empaths, because we feel things so deeply. It's let me take care of everybody else. And then maybe I can have, to, then maybe I'll be okay. However, like obviously that's backwards. Um, You know, really taking good care of yourself is I think such a huge part of being in a relationship because if you don't take care of yourself and you're self-neglecting, you basically abandon yourself. So how are you going to be present, you know, partnership. I think that that word, like having empathy and being an empath, I think those are, those are beautiful things. Like we need to be taught more empathy and how to do that. I think the problem or issue we start is when we go from, I can feel how you feel to, I feel what you're feeling. And now I'm responsible for it. Mm -hmm. That is not empathy. (laughs) So bad for the adrenals. (laughs) That is not empathy. That makes you, you know, it makes you a dumping ground. And I think that's what ignites that empath narcissist relationship. It makes Mm -hmm. that attraction point so strong because the empath is saying, I'm not feeling any of my own stuff, but I'll feel all of yours and I'll try to take responsibility for it. And the narcissist says, well, I don't want to feel any of my own stuff. So here you go. And it's, it's a match made in heaven. It's perfect. But thinking that narcissist needs to change Good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that, right? So the interchange of, oh, I can feel how you feel and I still know that I'm not responsible for it. Yeah. Like I can hold space for you and I can, you know, that sit in the trenches kind of thing for you, but I can't do this for you. And I'm still like feeling my own emotions. Because I think sometimes that's where the empath gets off track is they're overwhelmed by emotional traumas and things like that. And so it's too much to feel our own feelings so we feel other people's 
Yeah, I've spent a lot of time helping empaths heal from narcissistic abuse, whether it's like parents or partners or whatever. And so (laughs) I always feel like it's a service to kind of do some like red flags. So do you have any relationship red flags to be aware of for the people out there listening? The biggest red flag I would say is being drawn drawn to somebody that's just your type. Oh, he's just my type. Because I think as soon as you go into that, it's, well, let's do a little recap of the relationships you've had with that type before, right? <laughs> because the attraction point is so strong, you know, gets your, gets your motor running, so to speak, and you're like, yeah, that is, that's just my type. That's, he's the one. But if you can come out of your ego and that reaction and into heart and the space to respond, you can say, well, this person was also my type, and that's how that went. And this person is also my type because I see women all the time you know, on these dating websites and they meet these men that are good men and they say, oh, there's no spark or there's, he's nice. Yeah. You know, but no spark. I'm not attracted. It's, oh my God, do you want to spend your, do you want to spend your life alone or, you know, traumatized by your type or do you want to create something new? <laughs> I know. I'm a big fan of the nice, dirty guy. And I think so, so many women, you know, an earlier version of myself included, are attracted to the bad boy, unavailable guy you know, because of whatever daddy issues or however it came to be. But, nice. you know, that, that person's, I mean, I feel like there's a chaser and a chasey in the relationship. And, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as we're getting more balance around like divine masculine and divine feminine. I think there really gets to be more of like an egalitarian like equality that happens. Anything you want to say about that whole like divine masculine feminine thing? Well, I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. So I put everything on the continuum of infinity. I wish I would have drawn this out. Well, you know what an infinity looks like. And where it crosses is, that's where I draw a little heart and a little dash circle around it. That's the sweet spot. That's where you live your life and everything makes sense. It may not be easy, but it's working, right? When we come out of the center of the infinity towards the edges, that's what I call the ego in either direction. So that's where the narcissist will be. That's where the the out-of-balance empath will be. And what they're trying to do is come to the middle. They're trying to get in that sweet spot. But oftentimes we can't figure out how to do that on our own. So we use uh, a harsh word, but we integrate with another to try to create that. So if you are... And so it might be like you have no idea how to make money work. So you will be attracted to somebody that is able to make money work. You know, maybe they have too much of an emphasis on money. You don't have enough. So you try to come to the middle, come to the sweet spot in relationship with each other. And I don't know that that has to be a bad thing. I don't know that anything is good or bad. It's just what works for you and what doesn't work. So that you have the maybe the woman that is in the need to be rescued, maybe, or in that kind of historical feminine role, the damsel in distress, the submissive, I need somebody to tell me what to do. And then you have the man that is very much into that, take control, and, and this is what you need to do, and you'll come to the middle. I think what's happening now, though, and I was thinking about this the other day, and it came up in that Rosie Riveter Rosie the Riveter kind of thing. And I guess that was World War II, right? Where the men went to war and women went into the factories and out of the home and they realized, oh, (laughs) I can do all of these things, right? And that was exciting. And I feel like we kind of screwed ourselves a little bit because we did convince ourselves that we can do all of the things. We can have the high-powered career. We can have the family and be a mom and do all these things. And I don't know that we actually can right? Mm -hmm. But if you say you can't do that, then you are, it's almost like a failure or something like that. But as, as we come forward, especially into this Aquarian energy, we're going to start realizing we can do things differently. We can come together as partners and figure out what your strengths are, what, you know, and what your weaknesses are and, and compensate and collaborate to make a life that works rather than Because I get stuck in that, you know, I'm supposed to work, come home. Why is it always up to me to make dinner and do the grocery shopping and all of this stuff? And then realizing I play into that, right? Because I feel like if I can't, then I'm somehow inadequate. And I think men are starting to, you know, I, I see all those things. There was a real popular blurb going around on Facebook. And I think it was in the voice of, oh, I'm really bad with names. But it was like, 
be a lady, they said. Don't show too much. Don't be approved. Don't show everything. And it was like, you can't win no matter what, right? <laughs> be a lady. It's so freaking easy. We should all just know how to do this. But we don't. And I was thinking, you know, there, there should be a, or maybe someone has written the male perspective of that because they're just as messed up as we are, right? And they have to be strong. You can't show emotion. So as we learn how to show up differently in the divine feminine and the divine masculine, we're both going to come to the center more on our own and experience that sweet spot together rather than looking for something outside of us to bring us into it. I love that so much. And like, to me, there's nothing sexier than a man that can cry, you know? And I think we do such a disservice to our men by, I mean, if you look at a little boy, they're so gentle and they have so many emotions until we like stamp it out of them and tell them that they have to be like strong and unemotional and, you know, brutal for lack of a better word as, you know, the hyper-masculine values. And so I really feel like that's, to me, that's like what's so exciting. And when I say divine feminine revolution, it's not to lead leave the men out, but it's really to just say that like, it's about like women stepping up into their power and holding space, you know, for their men to embrace their feminine qualities because they have to. And that's the beautiful thing. Like in so much of us kind of playing this tug of war and wanting other people to change and do things differently, it's realizing that you can put down that rope choose to do something differently within you. And that will actually be more effective in getting them to change in the way you want to change because they're not constantly being kind of poked at, right? And if they don't, then you will be more willing to walk away from that relationship and find one, you know, attract somebody that is. I think too, we get very tied up in in things lasting forever. Like we really want forever. And I don't know exactly kind of where that came from, but not all relationships are meant to be forever. And quitting them does not mean that you're a failure or that you're bad. It's just, it just means you realize that that wasn't working. So it's again, that sweet spot of knowing when something is worth investing more and doing your inner work and know, and knowing when it's time to walk away. Like that person is never going to be what I want them to be. I think as women, we kind of fall in love with the potential Mm-hmm. Like we see what someone <laughs> could be and we're like, oh, I can love you enough to get you there. Or, oh, I lost the thought. We fell in love with the potential. We want them to change. Sorry. Yeah. The same thing. And it's so true. And I think that that's it's such an enabler. Like, can it codependent vibe? I mean, I've totally been guilty of it. But it, it, it is so true. Like, the magic you really want to know what the magic secret of it is. It is all about, like, it, in a push pull relationship. Like when you change yourself, it's it has to change the dynamic of the relationship. Right. So rather than like trying to fix or blame or cajole the other person into being something <laughs> that and you want them to be, you know, just like working on radically accepting, you know, can I love this person unfreaking conditionally? <laughs> right. And that means can I love them as they are right now today as they show up in front of me? Yes. Which is very different. I hear people, you know, talking about soulmates or twin flames. Oh, yes. And it's as soon as I hear that, I'm like, it might be fun for a while. It might be intense for a while. But especially what I notice is only one of them recognizes the other person is their twin flame. And it's like, you might be twin flames, but if they don't know that, so they're not available to it, this is not going to go well. Yeah. And I think it really is about being your own person and coming together versus that whole like twin flame concept of things, you know, coming together. Because what I see more often, and maybe I've got that therapy bias where, you know, people are coming to therapy because they need help. But um, when people have that spark and it's fireworks, a lot of times it is like what we were talking about, that empath narcissist connection. Mm -hmm. I feel like a healthy relationship is not going to give you that stomach flip, like roller coaster feeling because there's just not that much drama to it. Right. Versus if people think that those fireworks, they're not going to last forever. Like your Mm -hmm. relationship will evolve and change. You will have your opportunities to learn the things that your soul wants to learn or have, um, I won't get too deep into that, but, and you might come to completion. And so, like, I look at a lot of the stuff between my husband and I, you know, we've gotten to completion a lot of stuff. And yet we are still showing up every day saying, you know, choosing to love each other because it really is a choice. It's 
it is a feeling and it's it's a choice because when you're finished, you can go your go your separate ways and move on or you can stay and keep choosing to to love each other. I think what happens so often in relationships is a lot of people either get there or they get where they they get to where it's hard. And so you look for someone else. Mm-hmm where it'll be easy. It's we do the same thing in jobs. Like people hate their jobs and say, oh, I got a new job. And you talk to them two months later and you're like, oh, I hate this job just as much as I hated the last job. Like and what's the denominator? <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the kind of crappy thing that comes out of all of this is realizing that no one else needs to change. It is all me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so sometimes it's nice to revisit denial and be like, no, this is really about them. And you hear like, your old body's telling you, nope, nope, this is all your stuff. <laughs> I know. And one thing that really helped me along with that, because it's that whole idea of the kindred spirit, because I've definitely met, you know, people that I feel like, oh, wow, this is just such an easy, awesome connection. It's amazing. But they're not going to necessarily challenge me because we're so alike and it's so comfortable versus I feel yeah. like soulmate, if you want to call it that, like in soulmate relationships, I feel like they're not always the easiest because you're constantly like growing and changing and evolving together. If, if you don't have the app, the pattern, like for all of y'all listening, I highly recommend that. And that is such a great a relationship call out. Like, I feel like it really takes into account a lot of relationship dynamics. And every time I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so us. So if you need some, I feel like it puts the words on some of these like hard to articulate dynamics. So I just wanted to share that tip really quickly. But yeah, I feel like for me, one of the things I love most about my husband is just like his sense of humor. And I feel like that has gotten us through so many things that we can just laugh and cut up and have fun and just stay entertained, you know, even 13 years later. So I heard about the pattern from one of your posts and Mm -hmm. I have found it to be amazing too. And if you haven't seen like Channing Tatum put a video on his Instagram where he's, so I was in therapy the other day and yeah, I'm in therapy. You should be in therapy too. And and then he goes into the patterns. Were you listening to my session? Like, how do you know these things about me? You pattern people. You need to, I need to talk to you to figure out how you know this stuff. So it is spot on for sure. Yeah. And the pattern is based on like human design, which I love and astrology. And so that's why it's so right on. And so, and why I'm obsessed with both of those things, but to the fact that they've just broken it down so clear cut, you know, and it's interesting to see put in your parents' dynamics, put in your relationship dynamics, mm-hmm. put in, you know, like whatever. And it is super revealing. And like I said, I feel like it gives you a same thing with human design. Whenever I do a human design reading, people are like, oh, like I knew that about myself, but I wasn't maybe honoring it or I didn't have the words to express it. Or they thought it was like a weakness rather than a strength, you know, so I love that so much. So as far as like your relationship coaching, do you work with people like in relationship, people wanting to find love? Tell us about the sweet spot. Okay, so the sweet spot is kind of like what all my stuff is geared towards bringing people into. The rebirth your relationship, really. I want to go back just one second and share. You said about your husband, that his sense of humor keeps you going. That's where as much as my husband and I are in harmony in so many things, I'm the one that's, yeah, and he's the one that's like, you it's all good. He's got a joke. He's got a, you know, he's always pretty lighthearted about stuff. And if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which is a challenger. I am going to. The I'm, boss, right? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard it called that before. It's a great, a lot of coaches have that. So, I mean, it's yeah. a great leadership. And he's a, he's a peacemaker. So I just think that's kind of funny. Like, he's, let's not rock the boat. Let's figure it out. And I'm like, brother. But it works. It works. And not that. Yeah. And it works really, really well for us. Well, so, and not just to like raw people together. Like you're going to have a high conflict relationship. So you need that little bit of give and take opposites attract. Yeah. I would not want to be married to me. Oops. Come a lot closer towards the sweet spot on my own, but there's still there's still room to grow and improve in that area for sure. So it actually started out that it was called like a, a masterclass, a life in the sweet spot masterclass. It's and it still is a kind of a le- an eleven week intensive. You do two hours a week to bring yourself into the sweet spot where you can have a life that makes sense and relationships that work. And I realize people might need it. I realize people might need a kind of intro. You might not want to jump off the deep end. You might. Because that's me. I'm like, once I'm in something, I'm I'm jumping in. I'm not a second thought. But sometimes we need to stick our toes in the water or, or wade in before we get into the deep end. So 
The first part is really understanding how relationships work, right? What it means to be in alignment with what you say you want, because it kind of comes back to the law of attraction, the secret, like you are getting everything you are experiencing in your life right now, you're getting because that's what you're creating. Now, you might be passively creating it versus actively, but it is stemming from you. So are you in alignment with the relationship that you want? So for instance, if I say I just went through a terrible divorce and I have two kids and I have this attitude, the subconscious attitude of it's me and my kids, it's us against the world, you know, they're the most important things to me. And consciously you're saying, I would like to have a partner. Well, what you've subconsciously creating is no space for that partner to show up. Right. So it's understanding how to, what it means to come into alignment, why you fall out of alignment, why things don't seem to change because there is, um, there is a delay, right? The secret's not, oh, this is what I want. And then immediately you get it. And that's good because sometimes we want things that we think we want things that we don't. And if we got them right away, we would be sad about it. So it takes a little while for those around you to respond, to respond to the new waves that you're sending out, sending out there. And then it goes from there into understanding the emotions that keep you stuck. Things like rage, fear, unworthiness, that kind of stuff. And then into, I truly believe that, you know, ask for what, whatever we ask for is given to us, ask and receive. But we don't, we've never been taught how to receive, right? So the universe is throwing up all the stuff we're asking for. And we're like, you know, matrix thinking, dodging it and not catching it. Like, <laughs> so it's about teaching people how to, how to catch that. And then when you get to that point, you can take all the things you may have done before. Like maybe you've had your chakras balanced or you've gone through all these different healings, but you only received to the, to what you were capable of receiving. So now you're in this new space of understanding and perspective, and you can actually start to receive those things you've asked for in the past and didn't get. They're there. They're all there in your field. It's just a matter of saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm inviting you from out here into here. And that's why it's kind of like 10, 10 modules, 10 days kind of thing. That's what the first one's all about. And then the second one, oh, sorry. Oh, it's good. I was just going to say, yeah, I see that's one of the big things I work with in the academy, the academy. And, you know, one of my biggest lessons is here I am feeling like ultra feminine, like boho, but like I was still doing a lot of masculine, like overgiving and not really like slowing down enough to be present to receive. And so, you know, whether it's receiving a compliment, receiving clients, receiving money, you know, we all have our blocks around those things. Oh, yeah. Kind of, particularly, you know, in romantic relationships, I think that's like a huge thing. And so, you know, I was actually just talking about this earlier today. I think it, it might be a Mama Gina concept, but basically the gift to give, the receive to receive. I learned it from business coach Julia Wells. And a lot of times it's transactional. It's like, I'm going to give you this so you can give me that, you know, versus really giving to be fully in the energy of giving and then, you know, receive when you're receiving versus that expectation part, I feel like can get really Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's all kinds of baggage that can hang on right there when we're kind of trying to control or like cajole something into happening by doing something a certain way. Because that's really manipulation. Yeah. (laughs) And I have not to say that I haven't been guilty of it for Uh, sure. Yeah. So and then it's learning that I may give to you. But I may receive then from over here. It's not kind of linear like we think it should be. It's it's multidimensional. Yeah. And I think whether you're talking about dating or starting a business or whatever, just like having that healthy level of detachment, because as we know, with law of attraction, the more we're, the more we're invested in something or needed or have to have it, like we're already putting up like all this resistance that's blocking it, even though right. we're well-intentioned we we're creating obstacles because it's so important and so hard, you know? And so I see this a lot when people are trying to manifest a partner. It's like they, of course they want it, of course. Like it totally makes sense. But then when you make it be the end all be all, we're like erecting all these obstacles to it for sure. And that's where the, you know, asks like, you have to ask for it, then surrender and and receive. (laughs) I'd be in a different order than that. But the surrender piece is so... You know, if you'd have told me to surrender 10 years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, what? You know? like it was surrender, yeah. quitting, I'm not giving up. And now I realize that surrender doesn't mean apathy, right? 
Surrender means you accept what's going on, you surrender to it, and then you create the space to open a new door, to open to a different way of being. I think that's so prominent right now in our political situation. And I see, I see healers and all kinds of people, you know, getting just locked into that tug of war. (laughs) You cannot be in a place of duality and say you're creating a new reality. Like yeah, you just can't do oh, it. And what you fight, you give power to. So everybody's so concerned and people on both sides do it. They want to be right and they're going to share everything that proves that they're right. And it's more, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be stuck or, you know, freed from that reality so you can create a new one? Because whatever you're paying attention to is what you're giving your energy to. And you only have so much. Your, our bandwidths are all finite, you know, at this point until we leave the physical body and, you know, then we have an infinite bandwidth maybe. But it's, I don't, and I'll get sucked down that rabbit hole so fast and I'll be looking up stuff and proving that I, and then I'm like, while I'm doing that, I could be using that energy to create what I say that I want. And it's making people sad and angry. It's like, why is everybody so angry? And I think it's it's really about like vibration and frequency and with like fear and anger just being low vibe. And I think that it's not to say that it's not very, very human, but I feel like the powers that be or the media or whatever you want to call it really is controlling us by triggering the shit out of us all the time. And it's in terror. So we like won't pay attention. And so, you know, I think the best thing you can do as a thought leader or a healer or whatever is to just like really stay in that positive emotion and that might mean not engaging not and engaging that you probably yeah choosing not to Watching. engage yeah that could be maybe it's true maybe it's not but i'm not going to give my power and i think when to, you know with 2020 behind us you know like so many different paradigms are gonna just gonna have to crash and burn and so yeah. and instead of trying to rebuild something that's broken like we really especially with this aquarian energy like you said we really need to like dream and vision yeah. Like a new reality that isn't broken, that is uh-huh. like doable. And so that's really huge. Okay. So my cat is busting at me to open the door. And I know that you want to share like a little demo with us. So I'm going to let her out and I'll let you just kind of take over and do a little okay. with us. That'll work. Okay. So one of the biggest roadblocks in relationship and life and doing anything differently, right? It's kind of like the cost of inertia is to get moving and doing something differently is fear. So One of my favorite techniques I like to use and share with people is fear release technique. So we're going to do it on both sides, but we'll start, put your right hand underneath your left rib cage, right about where your liver is. And then you connect your ring finger with your thumb finger and you don't have to hang it up here. You can just put it down by your side if you want. And then you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. But when you blow out through your mouth, recognize a specific fear. So you breathe in and then exhale fear of change. Breathe in. Fear of doing it wrong. Breathe in. Fear of rejection. And as you sit with that, you'll start to feel it shift. And then you carry it through. You put your left hand more on your spleen, but still kind of tucked around the side of your right rib cage and that same mudra, ring finger and thumb on your right hand. Breathe in through your nose. Blow out fear of not being enough. Breathe in. Fear of being unseen. One more. Fear of not being heard. I think really at the end of the day, those are our two biggest fears. We want to be seen and we want to be heard, but we don't want to be judged for it. So we get stuck at this impasse, impasse, impasse rather. I used to, I still use that technique. Like if you have a speaking engagement or you need to have a conversation with somebody, whatever is kind of sparking fear in that moment, this will calm your nervous system, bring you out of ego more into a harmonized heart center, and it'll be easier. I want to go back just a second to the relationship stuff with the, I like, so the word I don't resonate. Well, it doesn't matter. The word game is probably not the highest resonance for me, but relation to everything kind of is a game. And when you know the rules, you're able to 
play the game better, right? And so that's kind of what that first intro to rebirth your relationships looks like is knowing the rules makes it easier to play the game. And in relationships, it's better than a regular game because everybody can win. And it doesn't just have to be one winner. The better you play, the better you teach those around you how to play. And I think this is so important because our kids are learning by watching us, right? So if we are learning how to respond rather than react, sharing our truth, even though we might be, you know, we might get our healings for hurt for it, then they're going to say, oh, okay, that's how you be in a healthy relationship because they don't know otherwise. That is so true because I've had so many like adult clients say, I wish my parents would have gotten divorced. And, you know, I think that's the biggest fear of people who are getting divorced who have kids. They're like, well, I'm just going to stay together until, you know, the kids are like in college. But like you said, they're modeling, you know, a dysfunctional relationship. And so Mm -hmm. I just anyone out there who's like considering getting a divorce, like so much permission to make the right thing for you and that your kids will be okay, And that, you know, I think in a lot of ways, it's a healthier choice than staying in a destructive relationship. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's what when women come in and talk to me about that, it's like, would if you're staying in a marriage for your kids, so you're looking at your daughter saying, this is what you'll do too. Mm. I know. And it's like that one, would you, you know, would you want, you know, your daughter to marry someone, you know, like your dad or like vice versa, you know, and mm-hmm. treated that way, you know, because you are setting the energetic bar for those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think it's important to tell our kids too, like, we don't have it figured out. Life does not come yeah. with a manual. You know, we're do, we're all doing the best we can with mm-hmm. the experiences we've had. Do I feel like I, I was taught everything I needed to know to succeed by my parents? No. Is it their fault? No. They were doing the best they could with the information they had, you know? And they are very much in that you don't rock the boat. You don't do anything different. You grow up, you get a job, you work that job for 30, 40 years. You have a house, you stay in that house, you pay that house off, and then you die. Yeah, and I think we're all victims of victims, which, I mean, like, hopefully we're not victims, but we sort of say that in the sense of hurt people, hurt people. And so just, right. kind of, you know, like, everyone is, I think, for the most part, doing the best that they could. And like, Absolutely. as Michael says, like, when we know better, we do better. So... I think just, I think that helps with the forgiveness, letting go process to just recognize, oh, they're an imperfect human, you know, just working with what they got. That's, um, did you read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... Oh, no, no, no. That's actually on have it? Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Anytime someone recommends, I'm like on eBay, like ordering the book right away. Yeah. Yeah. I shared it with our oldest son a few years ago. He was like, this is (laughs) life-changing. But, you know, it goes back to that bandwidth, that frequency. You only have so many Fs to give, you know, so give them to things that matter. But one thing he said in there that always sticks with me is it might not be your fault, but it's your responsibility. If it's in front of you, it's yours to change. You know, it's there's no value in blaming your parents or blaming anyone else or even finding fault to begin with, because that puts you at a disempowered state. You're going to stay the victim forever if you stay in that in that space. And to quote Wayne Dyer, you know, like when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at can't change. Oh, true. It's like such a perspective thing. And I think particularly in romantic relationships, we a lot of times if we're not being conscious and sometimes even if we are being conscious, that's just like old patterning flips in and recreating, you know, what we experienced before. Because a lot of times we know, like I just had an inner child healing yesterday and it was like, I knew that these things were an issue that I was trying to clear. But until we actually went back to the inner child memory, which was almost too young for me to remember, I didn't remember like the moment the belief was set. And so like, it was really important to kind of like go back and release that belief so that it doesn't continue to play out. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. I, yeah, Kate, I'm going to have to have you on back again because I could just talk with you for hours about all of this stuff. So tell us a little bit about where do we find you? How do we work with you? How do we book a session? Okay. So you go to Dr. com, or I'll share a link in the, because I have kind of a special page up right now. So I'll share a link in the live chat if that's okay. I'm in the process of moving my website from Wix onto Kajabi because that's the course platform that I'm using and, and I really like it. So I'll share a link there and then you can schedule with me on the website. There's a button that says schedule with me. Also, I'm moving more and more into doing things over the phone, over Zoom like this rather than the one-on-one because 
coming up in the next few months, we have some major changes coming in. So I don't want to let all that information out right now, but we we'll are very excited about it. <laughs> Sorry? We'll have you back for the big reveal. That sounds good. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, you really inspired me back when you included me in like debating Ascension course and, you know, like publishing your book and like really starting, you know, a live program. But that was definitely like my first taste of creating like a healing course. And I feel like that was super powerful. And I just love seeing how like you metamorphize, metamorphosis, <laughs> metamorphosize <laughs> into you know, all these different elements. And I've just loved watching the relationship with you and your husband. Y'all are so sweet together. And I think that's definitely a gift that, you know, you're meant to share with the world. And I think having a healthy, happy, romantic relationship, at least most of the time, <laughs> is, you know, is such, such a gift. And so I just love that you're doing that work now and taking all that good healer vibes into it. That is definitely something that I just, I never thought was in the cards for me. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think it was going to happen. So there are still some times when I look at him and I just pinch myself a little bit. This is real. Like, I love you and you love me. Like, this is this is a real thing. So I'm super grateful for that. Thank you so much for having me on. I have so enjoyed watching you progress in this. I'm like, look at her. She's just out there doing it. And dude, you are inspiring. I'm like, okay, you know, I need to up my game. Yeah. And a doctor has gone rogue, right? Yeah. The interwebs by storm. Fully owning gifts and creating this little like divine feminine revolution that we're all a part of. So thank you so much for being on the show. We'll definitely have you back. And thanks everybody for watching. And I hope everyone has an awesome day. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.